0: Yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostinos Fiesta Bowl. Can you
1: believe it? He's going for the corner. He's got it. Finch Young scores. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State
0: stunned the college football world one of the greatest upsets
1: in sports history welcome back to another episode of the fifth year podcast on this week's episode we'll recap week three look on to week four talk a little bit about how this might be the year of parody in college football Uh, just other college football headlines and that will be this week's episode parker what did you think about week three?
0: Yeah, it was a uh, fun week. Big win for uh, Penn State uh, in front of that out crowd uh, over Auburn. Uh, almost a big win for the Florida Gators. They played Alabama closer than most thought and what was a really, really good game. Some question marks for some of the major teams, some of the Blue Bloods. Uh, we'll dive into more there. But uh, yeah, it was uh, overall a really good week of college football. Not a great week for my buddy Clint here, though. He uh, had some tough injury news in our uh, softball game last week. He went down with an ACL tear and what what else? What else is the, what's the yeah, diagnosis here?
1: Torn ACL, torn meniscus, sprained LCL, MCL, and a bone bruise. So it's not looking good. And speaking of that, we should be able to get the episode out week uh, next week just fine. But I do have surgery next Thursday, so. Give us a little slack if we uh have some trouble or change it up on you. But yeah, it kinda sucks, but at least uh looking positive. It's football season, all the football to watch, yeah, all all I mean, recovery.
0: You'd be spending like your weekends on a
1: couch anyway. So yeah. this is actually my second ACL tear. The first one was January, right when football ended. A so a little better this summer, huh? yeah. Yeah. L- looking looking for the positive here. But a couple things or really just one thing before we get started we will be setting up a voicemail voicemail box to call in so we'll tweet it out we got to get the number and everything so we'll tweet it out later this weekend but we thought it'd be a fun idea for you guys to call in right after games or he- yeah. hear the fandom just hear the emotion
0: Your you know any opinion you have send it
1: our way we'll uh we'll uh, share it with the world all right, moving on. Let's talk about the parity in college football this year and what uh, what could happen if this continues.
0: Yeah, it's been uh well, so the last few years of college football have been very dominated by a select few teams: Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, winning all the national titles. Then you got you know OU and Georgia getting the get getting in the playoffs too constantly, consistently. So. Um, that might not be the case this season. It doesn't seem at least through three weeks that there's a single dominant team to me, Alabama uh, had looked like they could be that team. They got that early one over Miami, but Miami uh, isn't probably what we thought they were at the time. And so the Crimson Tide even look a little vulnerable. They got off to a a 21, three lead over Florida, Uh, but Florida really uh, bounced back strong and, uh, uh, was able to run the ball all over Alabama. They ran for 258 yards compared to Alabama's 91. So they kind of dominated up front. Uh, And after getting down 21-3, they kind of found their rhythm. Uh, Three consecutive drives of 10-plus plays over 75 yards, including a 99-yard drive. Um, Alabama didn't have much of an answer for what Florida was able to do on the ground. Um, Sure, there's kind of a method to cause issues for Alabama, um, with athletic quarterbacks being able to run the ball and um, multi or in multiple ways, and that's what Florida uh, was able to do. Uh, I'm not saying the floor is falling out for Alabama here, but they have some question marks um, defensively against the run, uh, which Florida exposed, and then offensively uh, running the ball too. They struggled to run the ball against this Florida defense. I was actually impressed with Bryce Young and his uh, first start on the road in a really really tough atmosphere. He was able to uh, – he threw the ball well, didn't have any turnovers, three touchdowns. But there's some major question marks with that Alabama run game and that Alabama run defense. So Alabama doesn't look as dominant as they might have in the last couple of years. Yeah. What did you? Th- what were your thoughts on that game?
1: Yeah. I. Uh, it's hard to tell. The first few weeks it's almost like is Florida better than we think? Is Alabama not as good as we think? It's I, I kind of think the same thing, but it is nice to see putting on my OU cap here. It is nice to see that Alabama didn't look as dominant as we thought for the first couple weeks, but Yeah, no they
0: uh they I'm I, I still still think Alabama is the favorite to win it all, yeah. but they showed that they are beatable, which we hadn't seen yet this season. Right. And then the other couple teams here I'm going to mention had already looked beatable, but they kind of re-emphasized this last weekend uh that uh college football is not as top-heavy as it's been. Clemson, man, that offense has been bad. Uh, struggled against Georgia Tech, who's not any good uh, in a 14-8 win. That offense, man, continues to sputter in their two games against FBS opponents, uh, Georgia and Georgia Tech. They scored 17 points. Uh, So their offense has struggled. They were outgained by Georgia Tech, that same Georgia Tech team that lost to Northern Illinois. Uh, They scored 14 on Georgia Tech this year, 73 last season. So uh, that. Clemson offense of last year um, is not what we're seeing so far. This year. The Trevor Lawrence effect a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ugulele, uh everyone had high, high hopes for him, but it hasn't uh, panned out. He's not Trevor Lawrence, clearly. Uh, he's, of his 18 completions last week, only 12, uh, or 12 of them uh, were of less than 10 yards. So he's not finding guys downfield. Uh, their offense as a whole, they found some sort of run game with Shipley, it seemed like. Um, but they're a, the 114th-ranked offense in the country right now. And even if you were to take away that Georgia game, they'd be the 75th-ranked offense. So uh, that can't be an excuse at this point. They've struggled um, just across the board in all their games, 108th in yards per play. So they've got serious uh, concerns offensively, but they are uh, their defense is legit and has been playing really well. So uh, if they can find something offensively, I'll th- I think they'll be fine. But Especially in the ACC
1: with Miami – what did North Carolina, North Carolina, Carolina beat Virginia.
0: Uh, okay. Their offense started clicking. So, yeah, I mean, this could be the year that, uh, AC at the ACC could go to someone else besides Clemson. We'll, we'll just have to see though, because no one has really stood out uh, yeah. amongst everyone else. And then, uh, Ohio state continues to struggle, especially defensively. Uh, really that game against Tulsa last week was much closer than the final 41, 20 looks, uh, I was a bit disappointed they didn't come out more fired up after losing to Oregon. They came out slow once again. Uh, they changed things up defensively. Uh, their defensive coordinator Kerry Coombs uh, is no longer calling plays. They had their secondary coach Matt Jones calling plays, and you could tell they were a little bit more aggressive. Um, and it paid off in the run game. They were able to basically keep Tulsa from running the ball against them at all. But that pass defense has major, major holes in it. Davis Brin, Tulsa's quarterback shattered his career high in passing, 423 passing yards uh, against the Buckeyes. And this is the same quarterback that only threw for 202 yards against UC Davis. So uh, that pass defense is going to get, you know, exposed as they get more into Big Ten play. Uh, And what's scary to me is that that offense hasn't really been clicking on all cylinders either. Despite all those weapons they have, despite that experience on the offensive line, They scored only three touchdowns in the first half all season long. C.J. Shroud didn't look good, only threw him for 185 yards. And the competition is going to get tougher and tougher um, as they get into Big Ten play. The Big Ten East is looking stronger than we expected. Penn State with that big win. Uh, They look good. Michigan's looked really good. Michigan State's been really, really impressive. And then plus possibly Iowa in the West uh, if they were to make it to the Big Ten championship. So there's lots of roadblocks out there. Um, and I'm really, really concerned about Ohio State. Um, it reminds me a lot of the Mike Stoops situation at OU a couple yeah, years ago. Coombs is not going to make it through this season, I don't yeah. think. Um, and then speaking of Oklahoma, uh, they held on in a 23-16 win over uh, Nebraska in the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. And this was already after struggling against Tulane in week one. Um, I'm not really concerned about the Oklahoma defense. The front seven's legit. I think maybe one of the very best in the entire country some concerns on the back end defensively but they've got a couple injured uh, injuries back there woody washington and billy bowman both missed that game it's really the concern's been the quarterback play which is shocking out of oklahoma spencer rattler uh, hasn't uh, looked like a heisman contending quarterback to me not at all uh he's struggling to get the ball downfield if you look at a box score it looks the stats look all right pretty good pl- completion percentage but a lot of that's underneath, similar to what we're seeing with uh, with uh, Clemson and Ohio State to an extent, too. Um, Rattler has only thrown the ball uh, 20 yards or more downfield six times all year, which I mean he was averaging over five of those passes per game last year. So yeah. something's going on there. Oklahoma can't find uh, a rhythm. The Nebraska defense is tougher than probably they're getting credit for. That's a really, really good defense that they they were able to i mean their method was it worked they dropped a bunch of guys into coverage mm-hmm. uh forced rattler to sit back and try to make a play downfield and he wasn't able to oh you did have some success on the ground both eric gray and kennedy brooks had solid games um so i would oklahoma needs to be able to establish the run more and really lean on it if they need to because their defense is good um they might not need to be as explosive offensively, but it is concerning to see that Rattler hasn't taken that next step. But uh, like I mentioned, defense has been impressive. Benito, Thomas, Redmond have been super disruptive. Um, and that uh, interception that DJ Graham had was insane. <laughs> yeah. So insane. Right? Yeah, I mean, for those that didn't see it, you've got to Google it. It's the, maybe the best catch I've ever seen. Yeah. And for those that say he shouldn't have intercepted it for field positioning, First of all, that is true. Yeah. I mean, they would have had better field position. But what's he supposed to do? Not catch it? Oh, uh, I know. I mean, there was a Nebraska receiver behind right. him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is that was my initial reaction was, Oh man, he should he should have not caught that. Me too. But I mean, he was making a play right. and if he doesn't catch it or if he bats it down or bats it up, I mean, who knows where that ball goes. So yeah. cannot blame him for that. That was an unreal catch. And last note on that on that game is um what a uh what an atmosphere. I was in Norman for that game sure there could have been more hype around it if nebraska would have lived up on their end to to this rematch of a of a great rivalry but i mean just so much respect between these two programs norman was bumping especially at 11 a.m game most uh, electric i've seen norman for an early kick in a while so
1: bob was getting uh, them fired up on big noon kickoff
0: yeah yeah <laughs> big big noon bob so uh but yeah overall uh there seems to be uh, possibly a uh, an opening for someone else
1: to slide in and you know disrupt the blue blood, blue bloods this season. Yeah, and another thing about Oklahoma is it it seems like Lincoln doesn't fully trust Rattler, and it's showing in the play calling and like you said that those deep balls. It's like I don't I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure I mean, I don't it know out if I trust him either. Have you yeah. seen? Oh one? oh I don't either. <laughs> I mean he'll. These and he was he balls. was like four good plays from receivers away from interceptions this week. Yeah, like I mean, Mario threw Williams it, threw absolutely the, batted it out of. He threw it in hands. the triple
0: triple like when he throws it deep, he's yeah. throwing in the triple coverage. I know. I mean, there, there were times when I'd see one on one coverage with a Jaden Hazel or Mario yeah. Williams, and he wouldn't throw that. But then right. when they're dropping guys back and they've got a corner route into a corner and two or and a safety back there,
1: and he'll throw it right in between those two. So some of his decision making has been pretty questionable. Yeah. And uh, so speaking of year of parity, there'll be some big surprises. So who who can you see getting in BYU Cincinnati, obviously, but why don't you talk about those? Yeah. So there's definitely more opportunity for the, um,
0: for a group of five team like a Cincinnati as, you know, normally in the playoff era, there's a one loss conference champ or an undefeated conference champ, but I think we might see less of those. Uh, I mean, I could see, you know, two loss big 12 champ you could see a two loss easily i think you could see a two loss uh, big 10 champ potentially a two loss acc i mean no one's gonna be running away from the field it looks like this year so uh, there is that opportunity for cincinnati and they passed their first test this week uh, against indiana a good indiana team um they've got some couple more tests in a c play uh, plus that big game at notre dame that's gonna if they can get that done yeah. if they can win at notre dame I mean, they're going to be... Even if they don't... They probably would need to go undefeated. But, I mean, the door could be open even with one loss mm-hmm. if there is potentially as much chaos as what we've seen. Uh, BYU's another team. I mean, might as well give them the Pac-12 South at this point. They've uh, 3-0 against Pac-12 South so far in all three games. They beat Arizona. Then two big wins against Utah and Arizona State. So they've built up some nice wins early. that uh, They're... they're back into their schedule is much easier. So, um, really the toughest part of their seasons out of the way, if they could, you know, run the table with these patch 12 wins, they've got, uh, they're another team. Um, I don't know if they have a, a high of a ceiling as Cincinnati does, in my opinion. Um, I just don't know if they've got the, the playmakers offensively, but, um, they've got guys flying around defensively. So they've got a chance if they could run the table. And then I think there's an opportunity within, uh, Within conferences to get away from some of these blue bloods. Michigan State's been super, super impressive um, so far this season. Uh, they had a big win at Miami last week. Uh, their run offense is awesome. And with Ohio State looking vulnerable, they could be a team out of the Big Ten. I mean, Penn State, obviously, you could toss in there, but they're not as much of a long shot. Right. Um, these teams I'm looking at are more of could we have 2007 level chaos where you had. South Florida near uh, South Florida at number two in the country at one point. You had Kansas at number two or three in the country at one point. Uh, that's kind of what I'm talking. Who are the teams that could really come out of nowhere? Ole Miss had, you know, they were a preseason top 25 team, but they are uh, have looked better than expected, especially defensively. That offense, we knew was going to be electric, but their defense looked really, really good. They dominated Tulane, that same Tulane team that played OU tough. They shut out Louisville, and Louisville beat UCF last week. So, they're a team that is a uh, kind of a dark horse that could come out of the SEC if Georgia and or Alabama both stumbled. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a chance we could see some craziness, craziness this year, which is is good for college football.
1: Yeah, what's unfortunate is that they don't have the 12 team playoff this year. Yeah, because it would be crazy this year if, if all those elite teams weren't weren't as good. Because right. usually the argument some, is uh, really- they would never stand a chance with all those teams. But this year, I think they definitely would. Watch uh, we say
0: this now and then in like <laughs> eight weeks it'll
1: be oh yeah I know. Alabama OU yeah. Ohio State Clemson <laughs> yeah I know probably will be all right moving on you mentioned it a little bit earlier but cra- craziness in the Pac-12 teams just keep getting beat and Brett actually mentioned it in his interview or w- w- his interview with us uh everyone's just kind of beating up on each other
0: yeah it's just Pac-12 South another year another year without having a, a someone to, to carry that group uh UCLA looks like they might be the team and they still could be uh but they lost to Fresno last week. Fresno shout actually, out
1: to Fresno State. Yeah, they're good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they almost took Oregon yeah. to the edge. Their rush their run defense is really really good. They they shut down that uh really good Oregon run offense in week uh, 1 and then this week just totally stifled Zach Charbonnet who's been really really good for UCLA. They, uh, held him to nineteen yards. So their defense is good. Um it's not a bad loss, not a horrible loss for UCLA, but still a game they probably should have won. Uh they were down most of this game. This was a game Fresno deserved to win, but kind of looked like they'd stolen it from uh from UCLA late before uh Jake Hayner led Fresno on a game winning drive while being banged up. That was a really, really tough performance and I was impressed by uh by Hayner. Good win for the Bulldogs. Tough loss for UCLA uh, like I mentioned earlier, BYU with another big one over the Pac-12, uh, beating Arizona State. BYU offense wasn't great, but they made some big plays when they needed to. Uh, Jaron Hall used his athleticism uh, at times to, uh, to make plays when they needed them. And then probably the biggest play of the game was after a Hall interception. Their uh, star running back, Algier, forced a fumble to get the ball back for BYU. So, uh, yep, I've already crowned them pack 12 south champs you know you never know yeah <laughs> who is there maybe uh, maybe one team gets to four wins but uh they might be uh hey they might end up with more twelve <laughs> yeah. wins than the rest of them and then last one here uh utah with a tough triple overtime loss to san diego state uh charlie brewer started the game and uh they ended up getting down 24 7 Cam Rising, the Texas transfer, who started several games last year, comes in, leads him on a great comeback to force overtime. He threw three touchdowns, um, really got that offense going because Brewer was super inefficient, and then forced uh, overtime. They get through two overtimes after both scored in the first overtime touchdowns, and they both missed field goals in the second overtime. And then this new college football rule which was implemented this season where in the third overtime you just start doing two point conversions. Like that's all they do. They just line up drives. Yeah. And so they both do them. It looked like they were going to have to, I guess, go to a fourth overtime or I don't know if it just repeats two point conversions, but Utah, theirs ended up getting overturned. And so you or San Diego state won via two point conversion, 33 31. And then today, Tuesday, we find out, uh, Charlie Brewer has left the team after getting benched for rising, which is that what's insanely fast. He had no hope, I guess. Yes, yeah, so he just you know all those concussions at Baylor, and he gets to Utah, yeah, and quits on his team after getting benched so, out of his element. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, fun. The Pac-12 is always fun. Yeah, it, you know their quality.
1: Those late night matchups yeah. are
0: always fun. Exactly.
1: All right, moving on to. Awesome game, Op- awesome atmosphere, the wideout in Penn State. What a game.
0: Yeah, second big win for Penn State this year, already had beaten uh, Wisconsin, but this was uh, this one felt different. That was uh, an ugly game. Their offense didn't really step up and do much. This game, this had to have been the best game of Sean Clifford's uh, career, Penn State's quarterback, in my opinion. 28 for 32, 280 yards, two touchdowns, did have one interception, um, but uh, really, really... Big time game was smart with the ball, efficient with the ball, and he's got a big time playmaker in Jahad Dodson. There were this game could have gone either way. These teams looked really even to me. Both have good defenses and game managing quarterbacks. Uh, Clifford had a, a really, really good game. Knicks was okay, but he didn't make dumb mistakes that he makes a lot of time on the road. So that kept Auburn in it. Um, And I mean, if they, and if it weren't for a dumb or for a really bad non-targeting or for a really bad targeting call against Auburn at the goal line and a horrible turnover to start the the second half on a trick play, this was a game Auburn could have won, arguably should have won, but uh, yeah, ends up being a big win for Penn state. They are uh, off to one of their best starts in a while and look like they could be a threat to Ohio state in the big 10 East. Yeah. That targeting call was so bad. Also, another bad call. So this one was actually in favor of Auburn. But did you see when Penn State had to punt? They got they messed up the downs. They punted on what should have been third down. Oh wow! So it was a so bad that. it was a bad week of uh, yeah a bad week of officiating for it was that was an SEC crew in that game. And this is a perfect transition. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, perfect this transition. Is, we, we were about to go into our uh, you know uh, this and that section. So just kind of random notes from from the week. But, uh, yeah, uh, Mississippi State, another SEC crew was up in uh, Memphis for the Mississippi State-Memphis game. And uh, Mississippi State punted the ball, downed the ball, or we thought downed the ball. On camera, it looked like it was definitely downed. But uh, the ball looked dead, but apparently it wasn't. Uh, Calvin Austin from Memphis, who was actually one of our uh, players of the week last week, ends up running up, grabbing the ball, and just starts running towards the end zone. All the Mississippi State guys look kind of confused, but he goes untouched, 94 yards back for a touchdown. Uh, the play ends up standing, and uh, Mississippi State loses to Memphis by two. So that ended up being possibly the difference in that ball game, but it was bizarre. Uh, they, they said that the guy downing the ball, I guess, never had full control full control of the ball when it was downed, but weird. It was a
1: bad call. It looked like a horrible call. So rough, rough week for sec officiating. All right. Next up on this and that, uh, Oklahoma state defense dominates in the second half to Boise state. They were, they were looking like, uh, they might lose, but they dominated in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma State's offense. was, I mean, Spencer Sanders passing in was
0: non-existent, uh, but their defense, uh, after I, they gave up nothing in the second half. Uh, they, well into, uh, Boise got up something like twenty to seven early in that game, um, but yeah, that Oklahoma State turf. defense is really good and is going to keep them in a lot of games, um, even if their offense struggles. Um, another insane ending, probably the craziest ending of any all week. SMU um, beat Louisiana Tech on a uh, hail mary from o- OU transfer Tanner Mordecai to Reggie Roberson who's one of the more underrated receivers in the country. But what a play. If you haven't seen this one, you've got to Google it. Uh, Mordecai threw into the end zone on apparently what was a planned play that they practiced. One of their other good receivers, Rasheed Rice, hops in when the ball's in the air and tips it right to, right to Reggie Roberson. He goes right into wow. his arms. Obviously, it took luck, but it's something apparently they are practicing like twice a week. It was a insane ending. So Mordecai gets the win over Another former OU quarterback, um, um, uh, Austin Kendall. So that was a, a really good game. And Mordecai uh,
1: has been on fire. Just finish him off. Just fire off the last few. Yeah. Uh,
0: Cincinnati, uh, big win over Indiana, which we mentioned, 38 uh, 24. West Virginia uh, gets a big win at home over Virginia Tech. Uh, that roller coaster experience with Justin Fuente. Just continues for the Hokies. Those fans, you know, one week they love them. the next week they want him fired, and then a uh, tough injury news for uh, UCF. Their star quarterback Dylan Gabriel was injured on the last play of the game against Louisville, and he's going to be out for a while. So. I remember seeing that. It was on that last like pitchback yeah. play. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of a fluky deal. So tough news for them. Yeah. Uh, and then let's skip the players of the week. Okay.
1: All right let's start off uh, week four preview first game we'll preview is in Soldier Field Notre Dame number 12 verse number 18 Wisconsin
0: yeah I'm actually thinking about going this going to this game uh, I'm gonna be in Chicago f- on Saturday so might have to might have to make an appearance uh, at this one if I can find a reasonably priced ticket but it should be a fun game uh, could be a low-scoring game uh, Graham Mertz Wisconsin's quarterback hasn't He's been kind of disappointing. Has yet to throw a touchdown in their two games. Has thrown a couple of interceptions. Hasn't thrown for over two hundred yards yet. Um, the run game has been really good. Malusi's been a pleasant surprise at running back for the Badgers, averaging almost one hundred thirty yards a game. But there's an expectation that Graham Mertz was going to be uh, Wisconsin's best quarterback in a while, so he's has to have to, going to have to step it up. Notre Dame's secondary has looked like they can, or they've shown they can give up big plays. They've got a star back there in Kyle Hamilton, but the rest of that group has looked questionable at times. So there's opportunities for uh, plays through the air, and I think Wisconsin is going to need to do that in this game. Notre Dame's been far from perfect, though. Um, their offensive line's been bad. Uh, they're un—they've been really unable to run the ball, which is a shame because they're loaded at running back. They're giving up sacks. Jack Cohn's been really, really good at quarterback for the fight in Irish. Um, and he's had to be with those offensive line woes. Uh, he's having to do everything for him and doing it under a lot of pressure. Uh, I think Notre Dame is finally going to meet their match this week. They're going to need better offensive line play if they're going to want to get this one done. Wisconsin's got a tough defensive line. I think that's going to cause more issues than Notre Dame's seen so far this year. Uh I do think Mertz is going to need to make some plays to the air more than he's done so far to get this done. And I think he will. And I think Notre Dame gets this one done. One little, little thing on this one. And I, it's happened a couple of times. I think it's kind of weird when there's these games where big noon kickoff and college game day are both at the same site. Like, can we get an anchorman style battle between the two crews? Maybe what's your, what do you, what, what, what would you be watching if, uh, what will you be watching leading up to this game? To uh, be
1: honest, I totally zoned out. What did you say? What did you ask? <laughs> I, was re- I was was You watching up. Big Noon? So Big Noon
0: kickoff and college game oh, day both-
1: I was actually wondering this last weekend because I think Big Noon kick as an OU fan in it in Norman. I watched that, but I'm a game day guy. I'm definitely a game day guy. But Bob, as an OU fan, it's like a little bit itch, little itch for Big Noon kickoff. But I'm a game day guy for sure. Agreed. Sorry I zoned out on you there. You're good. Ready to ready to let's move lock on. In? No. Let's, right. let's lock in. All right. <laughs> I'm locked in. All right. Next up SMU against TCU, I believe. This is why I was doing my research. It's in Fort Worth.
0: Yep, it is in Fort Worth. Um
1: Iron Skillet game.
0: Yeah, Battle for the Iron Skillet. It is this is the 100th 100th game between these wow. two. Big Dallas-Fort Worth rivalry. Both teams coming into this one undefeated. Kind of I think one of the more highly anticipated SMU TCU games we've had in a while. Ponies are three and zero after that uh, nail-biting win over Louisiana Tech. tcu's two and zero. Like I mentioned earlier, Tanner Mordecai has been on fire for the Ponies. He's leading the country in touchdown passes by a wide margin. He's got sixteen through through game through three games. Next most is eleven. He has he's sixth in the in the country in passing yards, ninth in completion completion percentage. and with all those weapons he has, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a test for the TCU defense, which is always stout. Two concerns for SMU. One, their defense has been has been been improved in some areas, but still definitely susceptible to big plays. So TCU's receivers and running backs, particularly Zach Evans, are going to have an opportunity to have a big game. and the second is SMU's play calling in the red zone. They move the ball with ease between the 20s, but do have uh, issues getting in the end zone at times um, once they get inside the red zone. So SMU is going to need to to win this game, that's going to have to change. They're going to have to get touchdowns. I don't think field goals are going to be enough. I think this will be a pretty high-scoring game. Um, like I said, Zach Evans is an insanely talented running back for the Horn Frogs, former five-star guy, and he finally looks to be... Um, feeling, or being who they thought he would be in his sophomore season here. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. My favorite, or one of my favorite bets of the week is SMU to cover 10 points. I like that, too. And I think SMU wins this one outright. I think they've got the better quarterback. I think they have better receivers. Um, they've got a good run game. I think they match what TCU has offensive line. I do think TCU has a slight edge defensively, but I just... I like SMU here. I think they've uh, got
1: the firepower to uh, to win this one. All right, next up, SEC matchup in Jerry World, Texas A&M versus Arkansas. Yeah, opposite
0: of high-scoring game, I think this will be a, uh, a low-scoring game. I, A&M's offense has been lackluster at best throughout the season, and they're one somewhat test. They struggled against Colorado uh but calzada, who came in in that Colorado game after the injury to Haynes King had his first start against New Mexico last week, he looked okay, you know he did what he needed to do um but I've got major concerns with that a and m offense they've got talented guys on the offensive line, but i'm it's concerning if you're an a and m fan to see some of the um struggles in the run game that's where I, I didn't have concerns with that going into the season. There's been times when they struggled to uh, uh, make holes for their running backs. So I think AM is going to struggle offensively with Calzada still under center against an Arkansas defense that is uh, really stingy. They're flying all over the field, uh, a gritty bunch, uh, with led by a guy like Grant Morgan, uh, maybe some under-the-radar type guys, but they also have some elite talent. Jalen Catalan is one of the best defensive backs in the country. And I think he is going to uh, make it a long day for Calzada and that passing game for AM. So A&M is going to need to be able to run the ball, but I don't know if they're going to be able to effectively enough. I think uh, AM really meets. Uh, I think they're kind of going into a buzzsaw with, with Arkansas here. Arkansas's defense is good, and their offense has at least shown something, which AM's hasn't. They've shown that they could go into a game against a solid football team, Texas, and run the ball down their throat. A&M needs to be – that's what A M is going to have to do with yeah. Calzada under center. They've got to be able to run the ball all over a football team. Um, but I don't think they're going to. I think the offense struggles. I like Arkansas here in a low-scoring game. And right. they're, a, I think, six, seven-point dog. So I like them – one of my other favorite plays is Arkansas to cover against uh, the Aggies. Yeah,
1: that one should be close. All right, a little quicker on the other games. You want to just rattle them off?
0: Yeah, big uh, SEC West matchup between LSU and Mississippi State. Huge game for LSU. They're slight home favorite over the Bulldogs, or no road favorite. They're heading into Stark Vegas. Uh, I think uh, I think Mississippi State wins this one. I think the wheels start coming off off for LSU here. Uh, another game. Uh, Missouri is traveling to Boston College. I think this is a sneaky, tough matchup for the Tigers. They're three-point favorite. I think it's a bad matchup for them. Uh, They're a heavy pass offense, and BC has a top-10 pass defense, so Missouri might struggle through the air. And then Boston College strength offensively is their run game, um, and Missouri's run defense is bad. Uh, You could see it in several of their games. Kentucky ran all over them. So I think BC, as a slight underdog at home, Uh, Pulls this one off against Missouri. Uh, Texas Tech is traveling to Texas. Uh, Casey Thompson should get the nod again. He had a really, really solid performance against Rice, so he should continue to keep that job over uh, Hudson Card. Texas Tech's three and O. They've been a little inconsistent. Had that win over Houston uh, in Week One. Uh, Struggled uh, in Week Two, and then bounced back last week. But they are three and O which is all they could have hoped through their non-conference uh, portion of the schedule. Uh but I don't think uh I don't think they have enough offensively uh to keep up with Texas in Austin. So I think Tech wins this one. Uh Clemson is a 10-point favorite over NC State. I like Clemson to their defense is insane. NC State showed um uh some their offense struggles at times. So I think they're going to get pretty dominated by that Clemson defense. And I think Clemson will finally get something going. I think they showed signs with Shipley at running back. They're going to need to kind of rely on that run game more than we expected. And I think they will. I think they win and cover the 10 points against uh, NC State. Iowa State traveling to Baylor. Uh, Iowa State is a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, Baylor is Found an identity, it seems, and that's run the ball, play good defense, um, which is a way to beat Iowa State, um, control the clock. But I think Iowa State uh, has too many weapons and uh, and gets it done here. Rutgers off to a 3-0 start, kind of low-keys traveling to Michigan. Uh, Michigan's a big favorite, 20-and-a-half point favorite. Um, and... They seem to be getting uh, better and better each week. I do think they will beat Rutgers, but I think it's closer than expected, and I like Rutgers to cover uh, the 20 and a half points. UCLA is traveling to Stanford. Big bounce back game for the uh, Bruins. Uh, Stanford's uh, won back to back games since that opening loss to K State. Uh, They made a quarterback change, which helped, but I don't think it's enough. I think UCLA. We ready to roll here uh, and bounce back with a win at Stanford. Tennessee traveling to Florida, uh, a series they've really struggled with in recent years, or maybe even decades at this point. Um, Florida with that huge, or not well, not huge because they lost, but big time performance <laughs> against loss. Alabama. Uh, against Alabama, I mean, you do hey, have Dan kind Mullen, of he likes he, consolation, yeah. he likes consolation prizes, so <laughs> cool. maybe he'll he'll take that as a win, but. Uh, I think Florida showed that they're a legit uh, team that compete in the SEC East. Um, Run defense really good, run game really good. Anthony Richardson didn't even get to play last week with a slight hamstring injury. So if he plays, I think we'll see more of that two-quarterback set. Um, And I like Florida here to win pretty comfortably, but uh, their pass defense is a little bit questionable. So look for uh, Josh Apple to try to get something going through the air there. Uh, kind of an under-the-radar game. Uh, Nebraska traveling to uh, Michigan State. Michigan State's a team I love. Uh, their run game is really, really, really good. Nebraska, uh, the weakness of their defense to me looked like um, to be against the run. Oklahoma was able to run uh, when they wanted to against the Cornhusker defense, so I like Michigan State here um, due to that. I think they're going to run all over the Huskers. Speaking of Oklahoma... Uh, They are hosting West Virginia and are a 15 and a half point favorite, which is a little surprising considering their struggles so far this season. Um, But I do like that defense against West Virginia's offense. Even if the OU offense isn't clicking, I think their defense um, is going to cause some major issues for West Virginia, who is coming off that big win. So uh, Dagi and that offense will have some confidence, but they don't have much firepower either. So, Oklahoma should win this one, but if you're an Oklahoma fan, I think you want to see them dominate this game. Yeah. You want to see Rattler finally get it going, so we'll see what happens there. And then lastly, another Big 12 game, uh, K-State traveling to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is six-point favorite. Uh, I like K- Kansas State here to cover. I'm already on the Wildcats plus seven and a half, but that's dropped already. Uh, they had a big win last week against Nevada. A uh, good Nevada team. They were only a couple-point favorite and pretty much dominated uh, the Wolf Pack uh, without their quarter, or K-State without Scholar Thompson still. They leaned on Deuce Vaughn last week, who had 127 yards, and he's a, a really fun player to watch, so he's going to need a step up again against an OSU defense that is really, really good, and K-State's going to need more out of uh, Will Howard this week. He only threw the ball, I think, 13 times last week, and against this Oklahoma State defense that's good on all three levels, um, they're going to need to find some sort of passing, uh, game to get this one done. Uh, but at the end of the day, I like K-State to get this, uh, to pull out this win in water. I just, I love the Oklahoma State defense. I love what they're doing, but that offense just has, looks really, really bad. They, Spencer Sanders can't get anything going through the air, uh, mainly. Well, a lot of that is not on him. It's on that offensive line that cannot block for him at all. He's running for his life all the time. I mean, on Twitter, folks were calling for benching. They're f- calling for a firing of offensive coordinator Casey Dunn. But the OSU defense stepped up and uh, pulled out a win. So you know, it hasn't been pretty, but the Pokes are three and zero. I think this is going to be a really close uh, game, and I think it's going to be a low scoring game. So.
1: Um, under would be something I'd look for there. Yeah, that will be a good game. All right, moving on to trivia. I also just thought thought about this. Parker and I are playing each other in fantasy this week, so we will we will update you next week who pulls out the victory. Yeah, I'm two and zero oh, by the way, sitting in first place. um I've scored the most points, so that's more important than record. Hey, all <laughs> I look at it as wins and losses, True. Clint. Wins all right, and losses. Fair enough. All right, on to trivia. You ready, Parker? All the weeks are running together. I don't really know what you did last week. I think you went think two like and five. I think two for five, I think. Yeah. All right. Question one. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Question one. What Mountain West player is missing from this run of passing yards leaders? Case Keenum, Nick Florence, blank, Brandon Doughty. Let's say Andy Dalton. Derek Carr. Okay. Question two. What Big Twelve player was the first receiver taken in the twenty thirteen NFL draft? Twenty
0: thirteen NFL draft. Big twelve player. That would be Justin
1: Blackman. I think I think he was twenty ten. This is Taylon Austin. Close though. Okay. All right, over two. Question three. What is the last Big Ten school to win the Orange Bowl?
0: Last Big Ten school to win the Orange
1: Bowl. Has it been a while? No, it's pretty recent. Okay. Michigan. Wisconsin, over three. Shoot. All right, two players led the nation in interceptions in 2003. Josh Bullocks and Bullocks and what ACC safety? You'll know the name. I'm making up for last week. <laughs> ACC safety. Because I knew you'd ask okay. me, what okay. do I know the name? We would have been six years old. ACC safety early 2000s I know, I know I don't know I have no idea Sean Taylor I was should have guessed dang it all right Ofer for so far question five what big 12 receiver led the nation in receiving touchdowns in 2010 Justin Blackman <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I just, I you kind of set yourself up <laughs> for that If it was not too. Justin
0: Blackman, after you said <laughs> you should get this one, uh, yeah, I know. Wow. All right, what so a, it's uh, a one
1: for five. I I, I just can't highs, judge you here.
0: Lows. Yeah, those were hard. I I I, I should have gotten the Sean Taylor one. Yeah, but besides that,
1: I thought you'd get Tavon Austin too. But I because I didn't know some, he was drafted those, that high. I didn't really. Yeah, know. he was drafted at eight. It was the first. There was a lot of defensive and and. Uh, offensive lineman taken that year before we before i just
0: before we finish this thing up this is definitely the the weakest slate of games i this, agree this year yeah i mean i'm excited for you know uh i'm excited for uh that notre dame wisconsin game smu tcu is kind of an underrated one and then AM, arkansas but i mean there yeah really are not that many
1: that many exciting games so uh, yeah i definitely agree i was thinking that today but uh, all right. So that is episode nine, week four. Looking forward to another great week of college football. So hope you guys have a good weekend, and we'll see you next week.
0: Yeah. Uh, just before we go, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fifth Year Podcast on Twitter and at the Fifth Year Podcast on Instagram. And Clint, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to just top your exit, and I'll say wow. it too. Have a great week. Let's. Uh, hopefully, this will be a good week of college football, and
1: there will be some, you know unexpectedly really good games and uh yeah yeah and if you're wondering uh oh Clint how can we how can we help you with your ACL tear listen it's scientifically proven if you reshare the podcast if you share it with friends family it it heals ACLs so yep so uh yeah hashtag
0: uh, pray for Clint hashtag subscribe to the podcast
1: yeah and we're just rambling at this point so yeah have a good weekend
0: see ya <laughs>